Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers, and alongside me, as always, is co-host Steve Mez. If it's your first time listening, this podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been following the Blaney Racing family for two decades, and Team Blaney itself has been providing news, notes, and analysis to fans on social media since 2014. So go ahead and pull those belts tight and hang on as we throw the green flag on our recap of Ryan Blaney's run in the Food City Dirt Race at Bristol Motor Speedway. Steve, welcome back for another episode of the Team Blaney podcast. Fresh off this Food City Dirt Race at Bristol, a race that uh, I know you got to go to Martinsville the week prior. I got to go to this race at Bristol, my first time to the world's fastest half mile in most cases. It wasn't exactly the fastest half mile this case. Um, But overall, an an amazing weekend, despite Mother Nature kind of uh, throwing some red flags into the race. I see that you've got most of the dirt out of most of the places uh, there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, for, those, for those of you listening at home, you, you, know, you can't see what we're, we, we do this via Zoom call. And uh, for the most part, Adam doesn't have any dirt anywhere stuck in any places that we can see. So uh, he got it all out of there somehow. Yeah. The only thing we still have the, um, we got our two clear backpacks in our cooler that are still sitting out in the garage right now that are, that have a, a nice covering of Bristol clay on our <laughs> on them right now waiting a hose down i would think um but that's nothing new for us we still attend a lot several dirt races down here in florida and obviously cut my teeth uh working at sharon speedway for a long time came home with uh, plenty of dirt and, and dust and so so i know what to do when we get home but um yeah i mean for for a first timer to bristol i know it was a little bit different because it's not the traditional concrete experience um but overall, it was a lot of fun. Um, it's not, I was almost going to say a great location. I can't say it was a great location, but interesting location kind of out there in, in the middle of the mountains. Um, I thought parking was great. There's an opportunity to park at several different kind of private lots. And we got some great parking right outside of our seats in turn two. One thing I will say, um, being a first timer, we sat at the very top of the bottom section in the Richard Petty Tower area. And someone ahead of the race, I was kind of asking people for some advice and they said, you know, there's not a bad seat in the house. And once you get in that place, and I know Steve, you've been there at least once, um, they are correct. There really isn't. And I thought where we were at in turn two was pretty perfect. So if you're not going to sit on the front stretch, I thought turn two was a great spot because you could see the whole track just like you can from just about any seat, but you can also see the cars coming across the start finish line, which is a little bit different for the dirt race. Cause they didn't even have, you know, like that chalk start finish line, but we could see the flag stand, but I assume, you know, on the, on the concrete track where you can see the start finish line a little bit more clear, you could really see that battle coming to start finish. So um, that's my, again, my one time attendee uh, view from Bristol was the turn two seats were really great. And um, the action all night was great. Like I said, you know, my heart is with dirt racing, even though I've picked up a lot more, asphalt and concrete racing the last couple of years my heart's with dirt racing and um my heart was full on sunday night easter sunday watching this dirt race and uh watching ryan blaney you know go from the 25th position and end up with a decent finish 
Yeah, the march forward was the fun part. Um, you know, he without even track position, you know, as the night went on, he marched forward. And then when he got the track position, um, I put a tweet out at one point and a lot of people saw it. And it, it's true. Um, they made a good call to stay out later on. And when they did, uh, he held on to it, you know, the rest of the night. And uh, that was pretty impressive. You know, uh, this, you know, we'll talk about a little bit more later about, about dirt track racing. I think we'll get into that later. But yeah, uh, there's there's some things about uh, Ryan on the dirt that pretty, pretty impressive. Really, really impressive. One only other thing I have to say about Bristol, um, which I know people kind of got this at the Coliseum race, the first, you know, race of the year, the whole stadium atmosphere thing. And again, I apologize, total Bristol newbie here. And I know people listening and, and several other people have been going to Bristol for decades, but that whole stadium atmosphere thing is just so different at a racetrack. I've been at racetracks that, you know, have a lot of stands and large stands at Daytona where it still gets pretty exciting. Um, but just having being surrounded by fans and no, it's not the Bristol of its heyday, but, um, they did sell more tickets for this race than they have. I think they said since any race since like 2016 or something like that. So a pretty big crowd, but when you're in a cavernous place like Bristol, it's even when, um, it's half full or, you know, three quarters of the way full, it's still going to feel a little bit empty. So, uh, but I will even tell you by the end of this race, after the, the two red, the red flags and, um, with the mo- the majority of the crowd, I think I had texted you at one point uh, when I had service finally that, uh, yeah, it's about me and, uh, and I'm only about a couple thousand of our friends still here watching this race, but the crowd was still loud. Uh, you can imagine based on the, the winner and what direction they were cheering, but <laughs> um, still managed with the, the small crowd to be loud, but um, getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. I think it's just because I was so excited coming off of seeing this race in person. So why don't we just skip right ahead, go into our recap of Ryan's run in the Food City Dirt Race at Bristol Motor Speedway. All right, let's start uh, Friday with practice. Um, we had two practices uh, for 50 minutes apiece. Everybody on the track at the same time kind of practices. And I'm going to try to, you know, kind of blow through these a little bit because, you know, it's really hard to tell. A lot of guys, it was like any other, really any other practice. A lot of the guys who got out real quick early on and had open, wide open space to operate put down some fast laps. If you went out two or three minutes into the practice and there were already 10 cars out there, you kind of had to find your spot and it kind of slowed you down a little bit. And they didn't really even keep good track of like lap averages or anything, but uh, you know uh, he gets out there at one point and he's behind the five and Jonathan says, run a couple laps behind these guys and then pit and then pit. So, so, so it was a kind of a cool thing to, you know, within the practice, to run behind some dirt guys with dirt experience and see what they do. Now, running behind the five in the second practice is a good idea, but but during that first <laughs> practice, it's, it's not bad. Um, seven minutes into the first practice, the nine car spins, and this becomes a recurring theme. Um, yep. Testing the limits, I think. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the 18 leads the practice about 10 minutes in, and then uh, I think uh, the 14 actually takes over that lead uh, with the quickest time. And they're all around the 22nd mark. And the thing is, is even 15 spots back is only about two to three tenths back. So they're tightly, tightly, you know, uh, put together. The biggest thing is the night or the practice go on and as the night will go on during the race is how consistent can you be each lap? You know, maybe your car can operate a little better than somebody else's, but maybe you're just better at putting on good laps together, you know? So, um, you know, what became evident to me in these practice sessions, and then obviously we'll jump ahead to the qualifying heat races was that the cars, I know they're next gen cars and they handle different in general, but it looked like they were handling, handling completely different from last year. Ryan talked about it in um, some post-race interviews and a radio spot that he does on Sirius XM that 
he thinks a lot of it had to do with the tire. The tires this year, just in general for the next gen car are a lot bigger and a lot wider. And when they showed these tires on TV, they reminded me a lot of, you know, like a, a right rear tire from a, a, a dirt sprint car. Um, where it's kind of big and fat. Ryan was talking about last, he compared last year's tire to like a donut um, that you'd get on your car where the, there wasn't really that much of a grip patch. Whereas this big, fat, wider tire, he said, you got a lot more grip with it. Um, the other thing that was really cool to see um, was two lanes kind of developed. Last year, there was really more of a bottom lane that was real hard and slick and dusty um and that's really all that developed this year when they went and redid this track at bristol they went and did progressive banking on it and that credit kind of created two to two and a half really lanes of racing that developed throughout these you know practice and qualifying the qualifying heat races and then also the ultimate race so um i could tell kind of right off the bat i think i said to you i'm like these cars actually look kind of racy this year and these guys look like they're actually in a little bit more control i think they're still on the edge in comparison to what they usually are chase Elliott, yeah he spun out <laughs> a few different times here but it seemed yeah. like they had a little bit more control last year and they weren't really just trying to drive around like it was like a concrete race there's more guys definitely kind of hanging and hanging, hanging the right rear out there a little bit more than in the past yeah, you know, 20 minutes in, the 11 car hit the wall in that first practice. 25 minutes in, the nine spun. Um, 30 minutes in, Ryan had a, had like 30, 30 laps already. Um, he'd been in and out a couple times by this point. Um, as a matter of fact, 30, 38 minutes into the practice, he goes back out for the fourth time. Uh, the one car spins. 42 minutes in, the, the nine car spins for the third time in the first practice. Um, the 46 minutes in, the 22 car spins, you know. Um, the eight car ends up being the fastest in that first practice, which is kind of, uh, you know, a harbinger of things to come. Um, uh, you know, Ryan had the seventh best 20 lap average in that first practice, which was, like I said, that's kind of interesting. You know, your lap times may not be the top lap times, but consistency over a long run, you know, if, you know, it's going to show during uh, race night, uh, second practice, um, yeah, we got the 42 spinning, um, but, um, Ryan asks Josh about running the top or staying in the middle. And Josh says, um, the guys on the top don't have much drive off, you know, during the practice. So we're well, looking at cars like the five car, cause he wanted to go up there and experiment during this second practice, um, you know, in and out the nine car, 11 minutes in spins again. This is the fourth time in two practices. He's having a good time. Uh, Josh, uh, you know, tells them that times are pretty good out there the, the second time they went out. And so they went in, they gained, they figured out something and gained some, some time on it. We're only about uh, three tenths back at that point. Um, they come back in about 15 minutes in the two, the five, the 45 all slapped the ball with the right rear. <laughs> so some guys are testing that during that practice, about halfway in Ryan's got about 45 laps already. Um, and then that's when uh, the five car hits the wall pretty hard and puts, puts some damage on the car there. And Ryan goes back out with at that point, right after that, and he gains about almost a whole tenth. So once again, they made another adjustment. They figured something out. And anytime you do that within the practice, you know, you haven't changed the tires per se. So you made an adjustment on tires that are a little bit older that you've been using and you still gain time, which really says something about, you know, your setup and how your setup is getting better. Um, also probably something they took note of for the race itself that we'll see a call that Jonathan makes that you kind of already alluded to earlier, um, yeah. just to see what you can do on older tires. 
Yeah. Uh, so, you know, once it's over there, um, you know, the 47 hits the car, car hits the right with the right rear. Um, Ryan runs about 88 laps in that practice. So pretty good job there. Give fuel mileage, how much fuel he used. So they, they'll know what they can do on race night. Uh, we get to Saturday and Ryan's in that first qualifying heat. I know this all kinds of gets a little bit confusing because they did it with a draw. They didn't do it based on any speeds or anything like that. And there's this whole thing with passing points. And it, so it really didn't matter kind of which heat you're in and so forth. Um, but Ryan started sixth in that heat. So if he passes everybody within the heat and wins the heat, he probably would have been on the pole, you know, which yeah. would have been a great thing, but only 15 laps to do it is kind of a tough thing too. Cause after that initial start where you're in the, you know, you double file um, within three or four laps, you kind of do get spread out to single file. And then it's a matter of really being, you got to be that much better than everybody in front of you. Um, yeah. You the know, big thing in was, this, the big thing in this system is really, if you start toward the front, you have to maintain position because you will, you will still get a decent chunk of points for finishing up front but you can't lose any spots. If you start in the back, it's all about gaining position. So if you started last and even finished, you know, halfway up, you still gain a pretty decent amount of passing points. Um, we talk about people being confused during this uh, race weekend. Um, I can totally understand how people get confused by a passing point system, but it is used at short tracks kind of all over the country to, mm -hmm. you know, set up main events. Um, there's some other things later on this weekend that people were confused about that I do not understand, but we'll get there in a, in a few minutes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he was struggling pretty hard in that, uh, in that heat and, um, he spun out with six to go. So he got a, basically got a restart there. Um, and within the last couple laps, he went from uh, ninth to sixth, you know, in a few laps there, uh, the eight car won won that. And, uh, the one car actually was up there with him and he spun out losing all his position. Um, yeah, so Ryan ends up uh, starting 25th for Sunday night, um, you know, which, like I said, now it's a matter of just running good laps and, and you know, making sure that uh, you stay out of people's messes and gaining position. And, you know, the stages for the for the race Sunday, uh, 75, 150, 250. So 75 laps for the first stage, 75 laps for the second stage, 250, you know, 100 laps in that third stage, adding up to 250. And in between those stages will be red flags. So there'll be no caution laps being ticked off during that time. And you come in, you can make your adjustments if you want to. Um, and anybody wants to stay out can stay out, which ends up being prevalent later. Um, you know, lap three, he's up to 23rd. He gained a couple spots right off the bat. Lap six, he gets up to 22nd. And the 14 took the lead at that point. Um, lap nine, he's up to 21st. Um, and then we get this problem with the mud on the grill. Uh, at lap 13, the 41 comes in for the mud on the grill. And lap 15, they decide to throw it and let everybody come in and clean off the grill. Um, I know you kind of have an opinion or two about that. <laughs> I do. I have some thoughts yeah. on this because when the race was happening, I mean, you know, we're low enough down in that first section to really get a good look at all the cars coming through turns one and exiting turn two. And it was very evident that the Stuart Haas racing cars, one, they had, they had a different kind of grill mesh or screen on the front of their cars than pretty much everybody else on track. Theirs was like a lighter gray color. I don't know what that means material wise. Everybody else pretty much had like a dark black screen. Um, they were primarily the cars that had mud caked all over the actual grill opening itself. Everybody else had mud on the nose but their grill opening was pretty much clean, except for, I think I saw the five car and the 47. Um, 
they seem to have a little bit, but it wasn't completely covered like the Stuart Haas cars were. Um, and the 14 car, Stuart Haas car, was out front in clean air and didn't really seem to have any issues. Um, I was a little bit upset about the competition caution. I know NASCAR told teams going into the race that they would throw one if they felt necessary early in the race, uh, but they were going to like wait and see, essentially. I, did, I was a little upset because it just didn't seem like it was it was reward i don't even say rewarding because some of the Stuart haas cars went down a lap or two in this process but it just seemed like they didn't prepare as well as the rest of the field did um and then the other guys that did have mud on their grills really kind of ventured way up into what's kind of the cushion there way too early in this race and kind of did it to themselves so um like ryan's car for instance the grill was pretty much clean it was just the nose of the car had some mud on it so it's okay. They ended up coming down and cleaning it. People like going insane. Kevin Harvick's comments, uh, which I think he did have some a few things to be mad about here in this sequence, and the fact that uh, two of his teammates pitted under you know under green and were on um, on pit road when the the caution was thrown, and Harvick didn't pit until after that, and yet somehow through scoring, Harvick ends up not being in the free pass position, which. I don't know if somebody from NASCAR at some point will explain that. I can understand his frustrations with that. Um, but I just think as a race team in general, they just kind of dropped the ball on preparing for what they did. Um, some teams, I think they said they were using like a pledge spray on their screens to let the dirt and mud kind of slip off of there. And uh, it seems like maybe Stuart Haas just wasn't doing something like that. So I thought it was kind of unnecessary and I thought eventually it would correct itself, but um it just seems so weird and the people that were just bashing immediately because it was 15 laps in immediately oh this is disaster why did we run dirt again look at this it's gonna be a joke all this stuff well we'll find out here they come in clean the grills off and uh the track is worked in pretty great after that and honestly was pretty amazing the whole rest of the night um so they restart um since they actually ran like uh they restart here and and um, Brian's up to 17th and by lap 46, he passed 34, got, got, got to 16th. So he, he does a pretty good job gaining like three, four spots right off the bat on the restart there. Um, and it's a theme for the night too, is where do you start on the restart? If he starts on the outside with the even number, since there was no choose cone, um, the outside was where, where the place to be. You could get going. Uh, the outside lane started better because the leader at least got to choose which lane and he always chose the outside lane. So uh, lap 50, we did a caution with the 14 having a flat tire there, or the, the right rear it looked like, and the five leads. And Ryan is up to 14th already, um, you know, with 25 laps to go in the stage. You know, Just they, picking people off. I mean, his battles yeah. were pretty good. I mean, you mentioned him passing the 34 car prior to that caution, and that was a pretty intense battle between he and Michael McDowell there to get that position. Um, you kind of just saw this all night long, slowly moving his way up and up and up, and eventually strategy call vaults him to the front. Um mm -hmm. Uh, you know, you just brought up choose cone a minute or two ago, and I know I just yeah. had a mini rant about that competition caution. Why can't they do a choose cone on the dirt? It, like you just said, it becomes so important on these restarts and outside of the leader, they don't give the rest of the field the opportunity. And I know they do it a lot on asphalt tracks, but they do it on dirt tracks too. They hook a rope to the cone. They stick it out in the middle. Somebody yanks the rope after they, after they go green, I don't know. I, I, I think it's well, possible. Sometimes, some, 
Well, actually, some a lot of the times that's for the single file restart. It is. They put, yeah. they put that cone up there. They put that cone out there, and then they have to go to the right of the cone uh, the start of the restart. Uh, everybody has to go past that cone, and then they drag it down. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think they could figure out some way of you know making everybody choose. Put the chalk out there. They the could guy, draw the, would, choose, the choose cone every time in chalk. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> just have somebody like run out. Yeah, just have it. somebody run out the. Have somebody run out there real quick with, with yeah, with with some paint or something every once in a while and just paint the damn thing back on. It now maybe it's hard. just maybe. us being. You know, Ryan even mentioned it himself in post race that you know he kept start. He started on the bottom a lot. So every time he would gain a bunch of positions, he would end up losing a couple on restarts every time. So maybe that's part of the reason why I really wish there was one, but still, I don't know. They got to, of, of the things they should fix for next year. Um, I don't know. Try to find some sort of a way to put a choose code in. I thought it was really funny. A person on, on the radio, one of the callers said, why don't they get a drone? Then why don't they have the drone hover over and drop the cone down. And then as soon as they did, they do the choose, it just brings the cone back up into the air. Yeah, <laughs> that would have yeah. been innovative. <laughs> they could sell yeah, sponsorship, the choose drone. Yeah. I don't know. The choose drone. <laughs> you know, we, and the thing about the choose cone is Ryan's a pretty good gambler on those things too. You know, he, let's say he's, uh, coming to the choose cone and he's like the 10th car back um but the first six or seven of the first you know 10 go to the, go to the high lane he'll take the low lane at that point he'll gain three or four rows um and he'll try and battle from up there if he can you know and and he might he might not end up back in 10th where he was but you know he's a good he's a gambler like that you know so yeah it would have been interesting to see just making choose cone important again but then again it's the same, it's the same situation as when they're pitting and, and they, you know, and the reason they came up with the choose cone is guys wanted to be in the odd lane or they wanted to be in the even lane at certain tracks. So this track was no different. You know, the, the high lane, the outside lane was the better lane on every restart. So we get, uh, yeah, we get that caution by uh, lap 56 Ryan's up to 11th, uh, lap 58, he's up to 10th and the five is leading at this point and lap 63 past the uh, 17 gets to ninth. Uh, he's the biggest mover in stage one, uh, you know, 16 spots there. The five wins the stage, but Ryan gets to ninth. Uh, so from 25th to ninth stage points, you know, didn't really see that coming. Weren't, wasn't really sure that was going to be able to happen. You know, it was really uh, impressive. Later- and I think it was just that they, Jonathan and the, the team really got the car hooked up. Ryan was running and he was searching, you know, he tried the high side. He tried the low line when he could, um, like I said, slowly picking cars off position by position really impressive to see and i don't i'm not sure how it was on the radio broadcast or on the tv broadcast uh but the radio broadcast you know they mentioned multiple times that you know he and i think jj yaley at the time had made up the most positions so far all day long um so really cool to see coming from 25th all the way up to ninth and getting a couple of stage points yeah so now they they have the stage break here it's a red flag everybody gets their you know holds their position as they come into bit um so you know, later on, we find out how this works because they have to explain it 10 times on TV. But until it goes green, the positions do not change. So everybody comes into pit and you keep your position and you don't lose your position with anybody you pit with because there's non-competitive pit stops. Um, but at this point, the 99, the one and the 14 stay out. Um, Jonathan tells Ryan he's the second fastest uh, car those last 10 laps. So he was, he was really, really, really bringing it there. So the 99, the one and the 14 who stay out will assume the race lead when they go green. 
because they don't run any caution laps either. The cars will come off pit road. They'll line up behind those three cars. And then once they set the lineup um, and go green, then the lineup resets with those cars in the front. So that's where the confusion comes during the next break. Um, but, the, you know, a lot of these cars de determined, a lot of these teams determined that they could um, go with one stop on gas. Whether it was this stage break or the next stage break, they could, you know, they could stay out. And some of the, some of the teams did this gamble. Some of the teams didn't. Some of the teams uh, pitted on both. Um, but, uh, you know, it works out pretty good for the 99 and the 1 and the 14 in this stage here. Um, Ryan restarts 12th. Um, so he's in the outside lane here and he gets it up to 10th within a lap. So right away, it tells you how, how good that lane is. He, he, he beat two guys on the outside, um, at lap 83, the eight passes him. So he's back to 11. So it's spread out a little bit. They got to a little more single file and the eight car was pretty good most of the night. And we, we see that here, uh, lap 90, we had a caution for the 11, um, and the 48 spins, um, Brian makes a comment about just like Martinsville, um, the 99 is leading at this point. And what he means by just like Martinsville is once they do kind of get single file, the, the top 10 or 12 guys are pretty evenly matched and it becomes hard to pass now because they're all pretty much running the same line. And, uh, you know, you're searching to try and get outside or inside of somebody, but, uh, you can't do it without moving them basically, you know, and this early in the game, if you can help it, um, restarts at lap 97 here. And uh, there's a caution at lap 100 for the 48, the 16, the 7, and the 4. And Ryan is in 13th at this point. Uh, so he wants, he, he does, he kind of says something on the radio about, he knows it right away. Yeah. Every time on the radio as the race goes on, he makes a comment. Uh, as soon as a caution comes out, he knows he's in an odd number position and makes a comment because he knows if he gets the even number, it's probably two spots, three spots that he can gain. If it's the odd number, it's two, three spots. He's probably going to lose. Um, so he's on the inside on this one uh, at lap 109. They, they lap 105 to restart. Lap 109, he's at 13th. Caution at lap 113 for the six car. Ryan's up to 12th at this point. Um, that was a scary moment. Um, yeah. I actually thought, you know, seeing it in person, I thought Ryan turned him. Uh, but luckily, you know, they showed and they probably showed it on TV too. multiple replays there where the six actually spun himself out and Ryan basically narrowly missed him. Mm -hmm. I think they were going slow enough. It wouldn't have been like a huge amount of damage, but uh, Ryan was able to kind of control the car and drive through there unscathed. So um, that definitely held my breath there for a second. Yeah. Now um, Josh and Ryan discussed the, uh, the weather is coming and that they're almost the halfway point. That's another thing. Um, they were just trying to get to halfway hope, you know, if it did pour, um, you know, so they were kind of worried about that. They restart at lap 118. He's on the outside there. He gets a good launch and he's up to ninth. Um, the 99, the 20 are battling for the lead. It was a pretty good battle there at lap 123, the eight passes Ryan and Ryan's back to 11th at this point. Um, then we get this caution at lap 127 for debris. Um, and Ryan's in 11th. Um, then we did have a restart and we get a caution right away for the seven car and Ryan's still stuck in 11th at that point. The intensity has just really heightened. Like you mentioned, they're, they're telling the drivers, they're playing the audio on the radio when we're listening. Mm -hmm. um, they're telling the spotters, crew chiefs are telling them the rain is coming. Um, yeah. So do what you, what you need to do. And you could see it from the battle for the lead to the battle, you know, mid pack and even in the back there in some of those cases with the seven car and some others. Um, yeah. People were just basically treating this 
end of this stage like it was the end of the race and it was it got pretty exciting and we could see the clouds rolling in you could feel the wind and the moisture in the air um the 99s leading at this point i've talked about my wife being a 99 fan you know she's doing her best rain dance over there because uh i know not everybody wants to win a rain shortened race but you'll take them when you can get them and uh uh, that was that was an interesting moment there, just waiting to see what was going to happen. But you could just feel it. You could feel the intensity in the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, lap 139, the 14 car take, takes the lead there. Ryan's in ninth at that point. Um, and uh, they get to the end of the stage. The 14 wins stage two. Ryan, once again, ninth in stage two. So uh, pretty good deal uh, making up some spots because he did kind of get moved back a little bit with those cars that stayed out. Um now the conversation at this stage break is pretty interesting because Ryan right away is, is talking about adjustments. You know, that's what you do. You, you right away, you say, I need this or I need that. And then he says, everyone's probably staying out, huh? <laughs> Jonathan says 10, four, that's my plan. <laughs> and it was, it was kind of like a little chuckle between the two of them because he knew yeah. that, you know, that he could make it to the end. Jonathan knew that he could make it to the end. Um, and they weren't going to trade that track position for anything. Um, they, uh, they red flag at this point, not only for the caution to break, but it starts to rain at that point too. So that's when we get all these interviews on TV and so on and so forth. And massive confusion, and, and massive confusion. Nobody knows how the rules work. And it's funny is that you would think that it would have been explained to them and it, maybe it was explained to them and it they was. didn't even think about it. Yeah. They didn't even think about it or something, or they were just like, Oh, whatever. But I mean, crew chiefs didn't know there were drivers who didn't know there were TV personalities who didn't understand it and had to have it explained to them. And I'm sitting there going, it's, it's simple. It's very Very simple. simple. Very simple. There was a red flag. Everybody holds your position. If you went into pit or if you stayed out, let's put it this way. If you stayed out on the track, when they come back out, everybody's going to line up behind you that pitted. Now the guys who pitted are all going to keep whatever position versus the other guys who pitted because the pit stops aren't competitive so if you came in and you were in front of the 14 you're going to be in front of the 14 when you come off pit road but the guys who stayed on the track you're going to have to line up behind them you guys all get together you set your lineup based on that and then when the green flag drops boom the scoring changes first first lap as soon as the first lap is completed boom the scoring changes and whoever stayed on the track gets to keep that position. So the 18 cars stayed on the track. Uh, who else? I don't know. Ryan, who else stayed out? There Logano. Was, uh, the, yeah, the eight. Uh, yeah, Logano was one of them. And, um, you know, I think the eight was one of them. So, you know, they stayed out. Well, you know, until that caution is over, until that red flag is over, you know, they're not in the lead. So if that race would have ended right there with that rain, that would have went back to the last lap that they completed. Yep. Which would have been ninth for Ryan, even though he was out on the track awaiting to start in the third position. So third position. it yeah. was just, so, I couldn't, I did not understand there. They, they brought it up again. We were listening to the PRN broadcast in our, <clears throat> in our headsets during the race and they didn't s- spend as much time explaining it. It sounds like TV had to keep going over it and over it, but they did have some interviews with drivers during this red flag who had no idea what was going on. Like you said, the crew chiefs didn't know, um, on the PRN broadcast, I think Larry McReynolds after the race uh, this week on radio and stuff basically said the team's got an email. Well, for the first thing, they used the same exact system last year for this race. Now, rain didn't come into play exactly as it did this time, but used it the same thing last year. They got an email with all of the rules 
and the procedures earlier in the week. They all have to watch a mandatory driver's, you know, meeting video that they said explained <laughs> the system in the scoring. And yet it just seems like nobody, which sometimes I guess they're just going through the motions with some of those things. Maybe they really weren't paying attention. I think the other part of it was just these guys, you know, the 18 car, um, you know, the 22, the 12, like everybody that stayed out was like, oh, you know, you know, this is almost like, you know, any other race, you know, like where we saw I brought up to you uh, earlier you know, Justin Haley at Daytona or Chris Buescher at Pocono, or, you know, we've seen it multiple times where, you know, the rain comes out and everybody pits, but somebody stays out like Haley did at Daytona and they end up winning the race. This was not that scenario. Um, those were still live caution laps being held when people were pitting. In this case, as soon as that green and white checker fell, field was frozen. Everybody came down pit road. Everybody stopped. No one was even allowed to do anything until, you know, they sound the horn for the six minute pit stops that they're allowed to, to do. So it seemed very obvious to me. Um, I'm not sure what, where all the confusion came from, but um, they get past it. And I think a, a lot of other commentators and stuff said, you know, and maybe I'm jumping the gun here, but thank God they got the race restarted and they moved past this. So they didn't have to deal with some sort of major controversy with, you know, the 14 winning the race or something under this red flag where Kyle Bush, you know, stays out on the track and was, you know, essentially the leader once it goes green. So, oh man, it was just, uh, I don't know. I guess it made that red flag interesting. They had something to talk about. They basically went through and talked to every driver in the field during this, this red flag. And um, I mentioned to you about this rain that happened during the night this was probably the most annoying rain storm that I've ever been in, in my entire life, because I had ponchos. We didn't even take ponchos out until I think the second rain delay, but this first one, it's like, you know, barely any drops were hitting you. It was like this misting rain. That was just annoying. Um, like it wasn't even like getting on my glasses or anything. It was just, I don't know. It was just so annoying. And I was getting even more annoyed looking up into the sky and looking at the lights you know, cause it's getting a little bit darker at this point. And I'm like, it's not even raining, but it's just like just enough to make the surface look a little bit glassy and uh, persistent enough that uh, over time, the track would moisture would be built in. Luckily they did a really good job. You know, I mean, they do kind of have to keep this track a little bit slick for these cars. They can't go over water it or anything like they do with some more, you know, other dirt races at, you know, true dirt tracks. But um, I think just the way the surface was set up, this the whole rest of the night the rain actually i think keeps this track in really really good shape and um for the fans in attendance we got to see a good packer car race and despite what kevin harvick said about there not being any packer equipment at the track i'm not sure if he just didn't pay attention but you know they had like you know 10 crown victoria cars two water trucks a couple pickup trucks that did nothing but pack the racetrack before the race during the race so I'm not sure where, uh, where he got that from, but, um, yeah. there was a, there's plenty of packing equipment out there and we got to see those guys kind of run around backwards for a good period of time there to, uh, to enjoy things. And, um, some of the crowd dispersed a little bit in the first red flag. And, uh, but we, we held on, I think I've said before, regardless, you know, whether it's NASCAR football games, baseball games, I always stay till the bitter end, even if it's a Browns game and we're getting annihilated, but um, <laughs> we were going to stay no matter what we'd driven all the way up there for this race. So um, we stayed in there and eventually you'll get there, but uh, we do get back under green. <laughs> At the beginning of the start of the, of the third stage where he fires between a couple of guys and he gets up there and actually takes the lead. Um, 
So he, he takes the lead. It's him, the 22, the 12. For some reason, the 18 car faded there. Um, yeah. At the, at the beginning, I don't know what had happened to him. Uh, lap 161, we get a caution for the 47, the 51, the 9, and the 99. And Ryan is up to third at this point. And once again, it's like, darn it, you know, because yep. third, third is no good. Uh, for the restarts, um, and the ninety, uh, the nine and the fifty-one. I don't know. Is this where they get into each other? And then the fifty-one chases them around a little bit later on to try to even the score. It, yeah, I know there was some sort of an issue between the two of them, and I'm not sure if this is the part where Chase punts them or not. Maybe that comes later. But um, I don't know. This turned into some kind of big controversy that I heard, but I didn't really put too much stock into it. Um, I know Rick Ware did a pretty lengthy interview this week on Sirius XM two, kind of giving their, you know, you know, we're working hard, just as hard as anybody else. You know, I think people are a little bit upset because we're actually, you know, running in the top 20 now, instead of, you know, just the top 30, you know, we've improved our equipment a little bit. They have, I think, a, a, a partnership with Stuart Haas now with their cars, that kind of thing. So um, I think he was basically saying there, you know, they're just trying to get some respect, but he also understands Chase's side of things. So. I don't know. I think it's just one of those situations where Chase has such a massive fan base that literally anything that happens to him on track turns into a, a controversy. Yeah. Whereas this, if this yeah. was a Ryan Blaney versus Cody Ware situation or something, you know, maybe we'd be upset about it, but I don't think it would take Twitter by storm. Mm-mm. No. Um, they restart started lap 166 and we, you know, Ryan goes from third to fifth on the restart, you know, just like the outside line takes, Takes a better start. I uh, get a caution for the 43 spinning. A couple laps later, we restart lap 175 there. Um, two laps later, another caution for the 38. And Ryan's back to seventh at this point. And once again, it's just not that there's anything wrong with the car or the driver. It's just that these restarts back to back to back like this. And if you're on that inside lane, you're going to lose two spots a lot of times. I know we're going to get there, but I'll just have to mention this whole time, it's basically raining. Um, yeah, I think from yeah. that maybe even the caution before the 43 spin, it just keeps continues to rain, but not again, not hard enough. I think when it, they went under that red flag and they stopped, that's kind of where they really noticed the track really taking on a lot of moisture. But when it was just misting raining like that, while they were racing, I don't think there was really any problems other than maybe their windshields, maybe getting a little bit muddy from the, the rain hitting the dust. But yeah, that this whole time I was like just waiting for it to downpour, but it just kept raining. We get to lap 188. He passes the 34 car, gets to seventh. And Josh tells him a couple laps later, the rain is coming. Lap 200, the three slides with the 14. Ryan gets up to fifth at this point. At lap 202, we get a caution for the 47. Ryan's in fifth again for the next restart. You know, uh, the restart lap 210, he's up to, he's in fifth. Um, a caution for the three and the 45. Uh, yeah, the three and then the 45 hit him. Uh, we get a restart at lap 220. At least we're going to get a restart lap 220. And then uh, the pace truck, and there's big drops on the backstretch. And uh, then we get a red flag for the rain here. Yeah. Uh, Ryan says kind of crazy out here, you know. Um, this is yeah, what I thought like, it was done. I took my, I remember I taking my, my racing electronics headsets uh, off and I were putting them in the bag. I said, there's no way. Cause this was the hardest rain of the night, but it did actually only last a couple of minutes. I think by the time I had packed up uh, the rain had, almost stopped and it was back to just misting again and then um i still they're still waiting um and then all of a sudden you see the packer cars drive back out onto the track and the 
again, a lot of people left. And this is, I think, when I was finally texting you, I wasn't really getting great phone service this whole time, but I finally was able to get my phone working again. And um, <clears throat> I, I had said that message uh, about, yeah, just me and, a, you know, about a couple thousand people are, are left here, but it, it erupted. The place erupted when those Packer cars came back out again, mm-hmm. because like I said, I was in it for the bitter end and um, I wanted to see it go green. I didn't, you know, Ryan wasn't up there challenging for the win. So I wasn't as, you know, worried about, mm-hmm. you know, him lo- like fusing the lead and maybe I would wanted it to just end and, and be over with. But um, I thought he was in a good enough spot to where if the leaders did end up kind of crashing each other, he could have an outside chance of sneaking through and winning the race. So I was like, mm-hmm. let's get back to green. Let's see, <laughs> let's see what happens. And um, because again, just the way the track was set up, it did not take long, especially this red flag did not take long at all for them to go back green. Yeah. Um, was that when the guy climbed into the flag stand and uh, tried to get the crowd fired up too? Or was that earlier? in the race? <laughs> Did you see that guy? I'm not sure if I, I, we were on the opposite side. So maybe that's why we didn't get to, to see that person in general, but there was, um, there was a lot of energy. Like at any time, anything would happen. Like the PRN broadcast started to say, you know, it's basically almost stopped raining crowd, like went nuts. The Packer cars came out crowd went nuts. Um, You know, they were doing an interview with somebody who said, you know, I think, you know, it's looking good down here on pit road. I think we're going to get back racing soon. Crowd went nuts. So um, the people that were there that were left, you could tell were really dedicated. Not that everybody that left, but wasn't a dedicated race fan. At some point you might hit your breaking point, but um, a lot of the people were there really wanted to see this thing and in uh, under green flag conditions. And I think as we'll talk about it, uh, they got their money's worth there by, by finishing this race to the distance. Yeah. We get um, at lap uh, 226, we get the restart. And after a lap, Ryan's in sixth. At uh, lap 230, the five car actually passes Ryan. So he's back to seventh. Um, 231, he passes the 20 car, gets to six. And the eight is the leader at this point. And TV does a great job of showing the eight from here on in. And you, you, know, you were there live, but the eight car and the 14 trying to to narrow that gap and running really good laps in one and one and two, and maybe not, not as good a lap uh, in three and four, but he was gaining and so on and so forth. And they actually went split screen at one point because Ryan was actually in a battle for, for sixth, fifth, fourth there with uh, who was it? I think the five and the 22 at that point. So there was, there was that going on. They went split screen on TV for a couple laps because you could see that because they went three wide into, into the turns a couple of times, those guys. Um, we get down to the last lap, and that's when the craziness happens. Uh, you know, the eight car, you know, he gets up there, and the 14 just buries it into three and four, and he tries to make uh, – he tries to basically make eight tires better than four, but he spins it out basically before he even gets to yep. the eight car. Yep. And, and that spin is what takes the eight car and spins him. Um, you know, he does a good job of recovering. He does. He, he does a three sixty, and it's like, it was close. I know that on the 18 radio, they were shouting at him, you know, you got to beat the eight, you got to beat the 18 line. You got, you got to beat him. You got to beat him. You got to beat him. And uh, mm-hmm. he does eight car yeah. does. Yeah. It does end up finishing second here, but man, heartbreak, heartbreak yeah, for Tyler Reddick. Ryan gains that position on the, on the, uh, the 14, the 14. Yeah. yeah. So Ryan, uh, Ryan ends up fifth here. You know, it's eight, 18, eight, 22, five and uh, 12. And uh, somebody did a little breakdown of the top 10 and went, you know, um, and they said uh, dirt guy, non dirt guy, you yeah. know, and it was, it was even, it was 50, 50, you know, you had, you had five dirt guys in the top 10 and you had five non dirt guys in the top 10. So, um, 
it's uh, it's something that uh, you know we'll discuss as we go on. But the first thing that happens is the whole pit road situation between Riddick and Briscoe, and you got to meet. Uh, we did, Riddick. yeah, we got to meet uh, Tyler at the Chevrolet stage prior to the race. Which again, if you get to any Cup races between the fan stages and then this this the separate you know places that you can meet drivers at their specific manufacturer booths and stuff. Um, got to meet with, you know, wish, wish him well. Uh, we thought, you know, we'd give him some good luck for most of that last stage until the the last corner. But um, what'd you think of this? So, you know, Briscoe basically walks over to Reddick. He was, you know, doing an interview, I think uh, either TV or radio at the time and basically said, you know, I, you know, I need to get over there and, and apo- you know, talk to him, apologize to him. You know, if he punches me in the face, I deserve it. Totally understand. And, you know, they're showing it on the screens, the crew members, look angry <laughs> that are around them but mm-hmm. briscoe yeah. and reddick get together and they just talk it out real quick reddick blames himself briscoe you know you know they just talk for like a second shake hands and move on um it was a typical scene you would see at bristol but not the typical outcome uh that you that you would see at bristol with, between uh two guys that just wrecked for the lead and neither one of them won i um I was impressed. First off, my first impression was that was really classy, especially Riddick because he could have went nuts. <laughs> you know, could've. he could have been, he could have really been ticked off because he had the lead, you know, in a way, what he said is correct. You know, that he shouldn't ever let him get that close. Um, but the understanding and the respect you can tell that they have for each other was there. Uh, Briscoe, knowing that he wanted to go up and apologize right away, was a good thing. Um, I know that the violence and people fighting is what people really love to talk about, and that ends up being a big deal. You know, oh, yeah. they fought, and you see that, and he threw a punch, and this guy kept his helmet on, and that whole thing from the week prior. You know, yep. but I, I get more out of these situations. You know, I can still remember going back to Darlington when when Dave finished third at Darlington. And I can remember Kurt Busch getting out of the car and he had every right to go fight. And he walked up and he says, man, that was a great race. What a great finish. And yep. he finished second. He finished second and they bumped each other all the way down, you know, the last two laps. And he could have been every bit as mad as anybody else. And that impressed me about Kurt Busch that day, you know, and same thing that impressed me about both these guys. You know, they could have actually had some, some words or they kind of could have pushed each other or they could have started a, a melee because the teams were there and they were ready to go. Um, but cooler heads prevailed. And if you're a sponsor, um, the class they showed is something you really would want, want in your guy. You'd want your guy to, you know, sure. They might be mad, but they showed class uh, in how to handle it with each other. I, I was impressed. A couple of things that I would say one, I mean, the only thing that I didn't like about it was Tyler Reddick blaming, blaming himself. And I've heard a lot of people talk this week so far, comparing him to Chase Elliott, where, you know, it's been two years now. He's finished second. This was the fourth time he's finished second in a race. And Chase Elliott, you know, it went over 100 races before his first win. So did Ryan. But people were expecting Chase to come to the Cup Series and just win immediately, especially in that 24 car that he was in before he went to the nine. So, and Chase was always down on himself. Oh, I made this mistakes. I did this and that. I didn't think Tyler needed to blame himself for that. I mean, it was pretty obvious that Briscoe went into that corner, not really even trying to make the corner. And um, he said himself, like he thought he was going to spin out when you were saying it, he was already spinning out before he really got to him. But um, 
The other thing I will say is this is almost like a Kyle Larson at Ganassi situation here, where I think if Tyler Reddick, which RCR has stepped up their game this year, some of it I think is the new car equaling the playing field a little bit. But man, if Reddick was in Penske equipment or um, Hendrick equipment, I'd be I'd be scared um, because he is incredibly talented and super humble guy for the most part. I know I've seen him get a little bit angry a couple times before, but um, man, again, this isn't the Tyler Reddick podcast, but I, I would say uh, I would say if he was in just a little bit higher tier of equipment, he would be uh, he'd be right up there running up front even more than he is right now because he's been up front pretty much all year long along with the track house guys a lot of you know big surprises this year briscoe too you know briscoe last year um one i think he won rookie of the year but it was still a pretty disappointing season overall for the 14 car and stewart stewart haas as a whole but this year i think you're really kind of seeing the talent that chase briscoe has too so um and it's not his first time had some controversy at the indie road course that you're at too. Uh, so not the first finish that he's uh, kind of taken somebody out of the lead as well. Yeah. Even though I think at that point he was black flag, but um, yeah, I thought that was, that was pretty impressive. That's the one thing about the race on the dirt. And we're going to talk about, I think about being on dirt. Uh, the new car is one thing, you know, and everybody's learning how to drive the new car, but the biggest thing is, this kind of race shows who the drivers are just, I brought up that thing a minute ago about five of the guys are dirt guys in the top 10. The other five weren't well, this surface and with this new car showed who the drivers are the cars are set up pretty good or pretty equal, pretty even. And now we're going to see who can feel with the seat of their pants on what to do in the turns and then run those consistent laps and be able to get around guys who aren't having, you know, having issues, um, you know, so that's what I liked most about the dirt. It's not just that it's the dirt and we say, Oh, dirt racing, but it equaled the playing field and then showed you who the good drivers are. You know, the guys who were sour grapes afterward and were having issues, um, you know, it's on them as much as anything else. It's not the, the, the situation, you know, the guy we follow, he handled it quite well. He drove up through the field he got better as the night went on and, and he, he probably felt like he had to win it at the end there he has another 10 15 laps who knows where he would have been another restart or two on the outside who knows where he would have been you know but the surface you know they got it and, and i think they announced today that they're going back to it they have to yeah have to they work out all the bugs just work out some more of the bugs whatever you got to do but go back to it because it shows you who the drivers are you know riddick ended up being the fastest guy all night long and it showed at the end of the race, you know, um, the ending was not what he hoped for because of, you know, it, it was somebody else's mistake, but you know, these guys showed what kind of drivers they are on this surface, Kyle Bush, you know, complaining about going there, but he backed into one, you know, yeah. joke about that. But the, but the reality is, is he showed how good of a driver he is, I was gonna say, yeah. too, you know, the people to complain about Kyle Bush just because of how outspoken he is, but there is absolutely no denying that he is one of the most talented drivers and best drivers in NASCAR history, you know, more than 200 wins on the national series level between the three top tier series. This was his 60th win of his cup career. Um, 
And he was one of the fastest cars all weekend. You got to remember, you know, he was really good in practice, really good in his heat races, really good mm-hmm. in this race, pretty much all night long. Um, the eight car fast all night long. The 14 car, you got to remember, he was one of the first cautions of this race with a tire that went down. And he battled back the whole way, all the way back up to leading the race and nearly winning the race at that stage break. And then nearly winning the race with a kind of, a kind of that, questionable move at the end ended up spinning out um and he ended up finishing 22nd i think so um didn't work out for him but he was really fast so um you're kind of you're kind of seeing it in ryan this year one of the best drivers in cup unquestionably statistically um he's the only driver right now with four top fives and six top tens nobody else can say that after this race, he's still, I think, three points behind Chase Elliott in the overall point standings, though those don't really matter as much because technically with the eight winners that we have this year, then Chase Elliott, who's ahead of Ryan in points, Ryan is in the 10th position in the basically in the playoff standings as they run right now. Um, but he, a lot of people are looking at him. I think NBC just put moved him to the top of their power rankings for this week um, on XM. They, he, I think he's third in their power rankings. A lot of people are taking note of what the 12 car is doing. And uh, last year when we got that win, I say we, but when we got that win at Atlanta really early on in the year. It was really exciting. And then obviously followed it up with two more wins after that. Um, but there was a really kind of slow start last year prior to that Atlanta win. They've been off to an amazing start this year. Just still haven't found a way to get to victory lane just yet. Yeah, this is, um, you know, each week is just a new, a new chance, but, uh, the new car itself is, is the, is the equalizer with a lot of these guys and, um, adaptability, you know, um, Kevin Harvick having all those problems uh, on, on Sunday night, um, it, it doesn't bode well for a guy like him or, or Keselowski uh, when they're having these issues that they've been having so far this year, um, they'll get it. It may take longer, but the guys who are adapting quicker, uh, are the guys to look out for and, you know, Reddick and Briscoe have adapted quicker. Ryan obviously has adapted. You know, he definitely shows that he can handle this car just as good as the car they were in last year, if not better. And, uh, you know, it kind of makes it exciting every week um, because truthfully, um, you look at a season and you go, well, this type of track or that type of track they're not good at or he's not good at. But right now, every track is a chance to win each week for, for Ryan and the 12 team, because it's the new car it's equalized the field, but yet he shows that he's probably one of the better guys in the new car already, you know? So of course this week, Talladega is a whole, whole new ball game, <laughs> you know? So before we get to Talladega, just to wrap up this Bristol dirt race experience here, I think you've basically already said it. You, and they've already announced it. They are going to run a dirt race at Bristol next year. Uh, the one thing that they've left a little bit vague. So the, the thing that was different about this one was they ran it on a holiday on Easter Sunday, something they hadn't done since 1989. Um, I can say at the track for the people that um, celebrate, I'm not going to pretend that every single NASCAR fan out there celebrates Easter. What Bristol did was unbelievable. Um, they had a full blown Easter Sunday service. They brought in Chris Tomlin, who is for people again that, that are religious or into that type of music, like the one of the leading, all-time best-selling, uh, you know, Christian music artists out there. They had Gary Lavox from Rascal Flats that came out there. They had like a, one of the celebrity pastors that came out and did the message. So I think for the people that were in attendance that were missing out on their typical, 
you know, religious service for Easter, they got to experience that and experience the race in the same time. Um, on nearly every level, every metric, this race was a success this year. Um, attendance. I know people still said the stands looked empty and I kind of brought this up earlier. No, this was not a sellout. Bristol, I don't think, unless they start giving away tickets, will ever be a sellout again. There's just way too many options for people to watch racing on TV, listen to it on the radio, stream it, you know, watch it in their hotel rooms, watch it in the car while they're on a road trip or somewhere on their phone. You're just not going to fill up a stadium the size of Bristol anymore. I'm sorry. It's unfortunate, um, but that's just the facts. But they sold more tickets to this race, I think they said, since any spring race since dating back to 2016 or 2018, if I'm I'm not mistaken. Um, I think that was the metric for either ticket sales or TV viewership. The TV viewership came out average viewership for this race was 4.1 million viewers, which put it on par basically with the last several races. Uh, But the other noted thing here is that usually viewership drops off throughout the year and it's basically held steady uh, since Phoenix. Um, at the peak of this viewership was at like 4.5 million people. And that was right at the end of stage two, right when it hit that red flag. So who knows if they didn't have rain, what would have happened? I, again, if they didn't have rain, I think the track really would have slicked off and got dusty and who knows what kind of race we got, but view um, TV viewership wise, it was a success. I think racing wise, I mean, at least me seeing it in person, I told you, I'm not sure what it looked like on TV, but there was outside of when the front, you know, 10 guys or so would kind of get single file. The rest of the track had a lot of battles going on, especially like you were mentioning toward the end of that race, where there is two really intense battles happening at the front between the eight and 14. And then between the, the five, the 22 and the 12, um, that whole last restart after that was pretty amazing to see. I mentioned earlier, the progressive banking that they put on this track, the way that they ran it in the moisture that was put in the track throughout the night from the rain really made some perfect conditions. And you even heard a guy like Kyle Larson, who prior to this race, you know, was complaining He's one of the people complaining about, you know, the windshields, you know, didn't really, you know, he's okay with it being them running on dirt, but you know, he's, he thought like, you know, if we're going to run dirt, let's just run late models. Like he's used to or sprint cars. Um, He got out of the car, after this race and said, this felt like a dirt race because there was multiple grooves. There was moisture that was still in the track all night long. Guys were actually able to search around for grip. The tire itself was much wider and more conducive to dirt racing. Um, everything overall, despite Harvick calling it ridiculous and calling the track crew bozos and um, just having an awful night and speaking his mind, like he usually does everything. Like I said, nearly every metric shows that this race is a success the only thing I will say, and I, I feel like my wife and I thoroughly enjoyed our weekend, thoroughly enjoyed the experience despite the rain. Um, I don't think they should do it at Bristol. I, <laughs> I still think this dirt race should be somewhere else. And I'm not even going to be one of the people that says like, it wasn't a true dirt track. It was a true dirt track. You know, they, they did their homework from last year. They set it up. It was a dirt track. Who cares that there's concrete underneath it? Um, I do think that they should go somewhere like Eldora or Knoxville. I know those are the two tracks that get thrown out there all the time because they could hold it capacity wise, but I would, I think it's just because I like Bristol as a concrete track so much, (laughs) but you can't argue with the attendance, the ticket figures, the TV viewership, 
Now, if they do it for a third year in a row and maybe the whole spectacle of it has worn off, but I actually think they might even gain more momentum with the race next year because of how well this one went off. And if mother nature could just, you know, maybe only give us one little break there with rain, (laughs) um, just to keep some moisture in the track. But yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it's great to have this one time a year. I don't think they need more than one dirt race on the schedule. I do think they should think about doing it somewhere else. I really wish they announced this weekend about North Wilkesboro, the revival of that track actually going forward. They have a full slate of short track, you know, local level racing that they're going to be doing on the, on the asphalt there. They're actually going to dig that track up. They're going to run dirt racing there for a little while. Then they're going to repave it and, um, I think Marcus Smith said they hope to maybe someday get a truck race there at some point, but he basically said no to the cup series, which I think they're just trying to not get people too excited um, because they also have Nashville fairgrounds out there hanging out there too, as another track that's going to be revitalized soon. But I thought that maybe they should have just considered turning Wilkesboro back into a dirt track. Like it was when it first started before they paved it, maybe hold the race there. Um, But it's not up to me. And I think Bristol also has, um, has had a lot of success. I don't know what the attendance has been like at these world of outlaw races and other late model and sprint car races that they've been holding there, but I know car count wise, it's been huge. And I have to imagine that, um, they're getting their money back and probably more in the, I think million dollars or so they have to do. I think they, they said they trucked in like 50,000 truckloads of dirt or something to put this stuff on the track and they're used to it now doing it for their second year so um, I don't want to go on and on and on about this but I can understand why they want to keep bringing it back Um, the people that were there seem to be having a lot of fun people seem to be buying a ton of merchandise enjoying the weekend camping all that goes into it I loved it I think it's great to see the cup cars on dirt I think this new car was much more suited to it especially with the wider tire to run dirt track racing and uh it's just fun. I don't know. Just have fun. Just have fun for a week. Don't, don't. And I think I mentioned to you, I just also have to realize that, you know, Twitter is an echo chamber. So all the angry people kind of make it seem like they're majority when they really aren't. Because when I listen to the radio or I even look at Facebook and some other cop places with comments, there actually was a lot of positivity out there. Yeah. The, uh, the Jeff Gluck poll was actually, you know, 65% or something like that, you know, in favor, you know, so which I think was lower than last year. And I think the third lowest of this year or something, but, but still pretty decent compared to some other polls. They end up with. It's, it's more yeses than nos. Um, each year or each time they go do, do something like this, they learn something. Um, the next thing they've learned is probably to do something with this windshield situation yep. where they, maybe they run with a screen. Cause if they run with the screen, um, they can prepare the track different. If they can prepare the track different, they can put more moisture in it. If they can put more moisture in it. Now all of a sudden, uh, we won't have as many problems with the dust. Maybe we can run it earlier in the day. Um, the Easter situation. Okay. I understand they packed the schedule this year. There's only like one off weekend or whatever. Okay. Try to run it on Saturday night instead of a Sunday night. If you're going to do it on Easter weekend. So you at least give everybody a chance to get out of there for Easter. Which know? I think what, they could have, they could have done that, but they, they wanted to see, could've. they wanted to see if they could make this their Christmas, like the NBA has, or they yeah. wanted to see, and honestly, the viewership was high. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, people I don't paying know. attention. Um, and, and then I kind of agree with you uh, on uh, Eldora. I don't know about Knoxville. Everybody mentions Knoxville, but we've seen a truck race or two at Knoxville now and it didn't go well. 
No, I absolutely uh, would actually would prefer Eldora over Nox. Eldora, I'm just, more, just stand, yeah. you know, grandstand wise, they they can and both hold I, it. But yeah. I think there's a little more banking um, at Eldora yes, too. There is, yeah. and I think that makes a huge difference. You know, um, so yeah, moving it somewhere that's an actual dirt track would probably be a cool thing too. I don't know what happened with Tony versus NASCAR because uh, yeah. he lost his he, he lost his truck race, and I don't understand that at all. Um, because he's he's still pretty deep in the entrenched in, in NASCAR. Um, but yeah, move it to move it to Eldora, maybe move the date to a little later in the year or whatever. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things they could do. Um, but like I said, they've already committed to next year. Um, but there's no reason they can't do it. You know, somebody was pointing out, oh, they got all these separate rules for the dirt race. I'm like, they got separate rules for the dirt race, they got separate rules for the, the road courses they got separate rules for uh the super speedways all the races have separate rules for different things and different situations and different tracks uh some of them are a little more uh that you don't notice them but other times it's it's a big thing like you know they don't have the choose rule uh here but they've got it there or um they uh give you the one to go on the back stretch of uh of the road course because uh you know making another full lap with the one to go takes longer you know so Everybody who's got an excuse, you know, you know what they say about excuses, right? <laughs> so the thing is, is they're trying to do a bunch of different things. So you see different things, you know, it's not, not, not what it was um, when the sport first was launched and, and, and became popular. It wasn't a TV sport back then. It was get your picnic basket and find a nice seat somewhere up on a hill and watch, you know, all day long, you sit there and you watch and you watch and you watch and it takes five to six hours a lot of times those races used to take and you'd spend the day and you'd have a picnic and you'd be with your family and you do that well that's not the way it is anymore tv is going to pay the bills and so you have to you have to do things to help tv and tv wants certain things to be done a certain way so that they can put on a good show and i mean that's where the playoffs came from you know because if you didn't have the playoffs some of these seasons would be over with four or five weeks to go and you'd be going to a race and it wouldn't matter at all you know, so they came up with all these different things because they want people to tune in. They need to get a younger crowd in there to start watching things, you know, just relax everybody and watch a race and have fun with it. You know, if you can't and, and, and everything is upsetting you, then uh, at some point you might need to find something else to do. <laughs> I hate to say that about people, but you know, everybody getting upset about, about a lot of these things, is not good. It's not good for your health. Um, just, you know, if you can enjoy it, enjoy it. You know, the, the racing is kind of cool, kind of different. Okay. They had a situation happen this year and people didn't know how to react to it. And next year they'll figure it out, you know, or if it happens at a certain track and they go back later in the year, guess what? Between now and, and the end of the year, that Martinsville race is going to be totally different later in the year because they, something happened and they'll make sure that that doesn't happen again. You know, that's how you live and learn, you know? So two other things before we move on to our Talladega mini preview here. Um, truck series race. I know I brought up cup series viewership truck series race was one of the largest audiences. I know it was up over a million viewers in history on Fox sports one. It was up. So last year's race was rained out. So, but it was up like 81% over last year's race and up over 50% um, from the, I think the previous Bristol races. So uh that tells you something too. people tuning in just to the truck series race, which itself was also phenomenal. Um, one last the thing that I really don't want to go down a rabbit hole on, but I think uh, is worth talking about at some point is I think they need to take this format 
weekend format and run it at Bristol, Concrete, Martinsville, maybe not Richmond. I think the heat races with the next gen car and the composite body could actually be exciting. I know people bring up that they ran heat races originally with the Dash for Cash races and Xfinity series, and they weren't that exciting because guys didn't want to tear up their equipment, yada, yada, yada. And um, they knew that they were going to be in the race no matter what. So starting position didn't mean anything. Starting position means a lot at short tracks like Martinsville and Bristol when it's on the concrete. Um, I think heat races could get very exciting and guys wouldn't be afraid to lean on each other because of the composite body. Now, this is also assuming that the short track pass package is improved and there is closer racing and that kind of a thing. But just something something to think about i think it just again short tracks only i do not want to see a heat race at kansas um but <laughs> short tracks only i think it might be something that could be fun and could be different and kind of have that grassroots feel to it so but hey we talked about short tracks we just finished up our short track swing in nascar so why don't we go ahead and do something completely different as the nascar cup series heads south to to talladega super speedway this weekend sunday april 24th for the geico 500 you can catch the race at 3 p.m eastern time on sunday on fox and on the radio with mrn in sirius xm nascar radio heading back out to one of ryan blaney's not necessarily best statistical tracks but two wins three top fives five top tens Talladega has become a special place for Blaney fans. Two wins there on Mondays on rain delay races. So if it rains this weekend and this race runs on a Monday, I won't be sad. Um, but last several finishes there, we'll just go back to 2019. He uh, won back to back there. The fall race 2019, spring race 2020. Uh, it was 25th in the fall race 2020. And then ninth and 15th the last two times there. That 15th there at Talladega, that's the race that Bubba Wallace won. So that was rain delayed, and I don't think Ryan really had a shot to get back up there, so who knows what would have happened there. Um, but Talladega, I mean, just overall, we're, like I said, we've been running short tracks the last three weeks. We already know how this package works on the super speedways from Daytona. What we don't know, though, is Daytona is a lot narrower track than Talladega is. Talladega is also a little bit bigger, too. Um are you looking forward? I'm looking forward to this race. I know it's a, it's a great run. You know, we've talked to Josh Williams, Ryan spotter. Um, you know, he's one of the best in the business when it comes spotting at these super speedway tracks. Ryan is one of the best in the business unquestionably um, as a driver on a super speedway with those two victories and almost winning the Daytona 500 multiple times, including this past uh, uh, February when he almost won it there with that battle with him and a uh, teammate, Austin Cindric. So um I got to say, uh, I'm looking forward to this Sunday's, this Sunday's, uh, weekend of racing. You know, it's the, uh, edge of your seat, you know, that's the thing. Even when they, even when they get into like a single file line, if they do once in a while there for a number of laps, anything can happen. You know, one little thing with a tire, somebody slips up a little bit and hits somebody a little too hard. Um, you know, just, and then all of a sudden it's a melee, you know, and I think that's, that's, the thing about watching the races at the super speedways is at any second, any second that could happen. And, uh, hopefully it doesn't, or if it does, it's non Ryan related, but, uh, you know, can't wait to see what they do with, like, like you said, with this car on that surface, because this is the one where they can get three wide, 
without any problem if they want to or need to. Um, so once again, the end of the stages will be big because people will be racing for stage points. Um, you know, the pit stops, uh, you know, a green flag pitting will be huge um, because uh, if they do it by manufacturer like they usually do, you're going to see who's got better fuel mileage, who's going to come in as a group. Um, hopefully there will be some green flag pitting because that seems to actually be something that that changes the race a lot. And, uh, you know, the Fords are pretty good at working together compared to the other uh, manufacturers. So it's always good for Ryan there. Um, yeah, it's, it should be a fun weekend uh, to see what uh, what the 12 team will do there. They got the uh, the worth uh, sponsorship on the car this weekend. And those guys have been really kind of cool. Um, they sent out those uh, hero cards in the last week or two to a lot of fans. So yeah. Yeah, they've been great uh, on social media. They're, I mean, they're obviously a big supporter of Ryan sponsoring. They have a great looking race car and um, they've been really engaging on, on social media overall. Um, mm-hmm. You brought up the fact about teams and manufacturers racing together at Atlanta. I think things were just so new and Atlanta was a super speedway esque race. That was kind of an afterthought. It seemed like nobody really worried about manufacturers and team racing, uh, but I think they're going to be right into the thick of it again when it comes to racing at Talladega. Um, another thing to mention, no, no practice this weekend. Uh, they're going to do qualifying only impound qualifying. Um, I think they don't want to take the risk of tearing up a bunch of cars. They needed that practice at Daytona because they never run the next gen car on a super speedway at that point. Um, they needed practice in Atlanta because they had never run the super speedway package on a mile and a half track with the, that high banking. So I can understand Talladega why they're just going to throw them out there for their, you know, one lap single car qualifying and let's see how it goes wouldn't put a ton of stock into qualifying itself so if you know ryan qualifies 25th or something i wouldn't be too worried about it other than the fact that he'll be back in the pack a little bit would rather him qualify up front and just stay up front control the race like we'd like to to see him and josh do so again if you want to watch this race it is sunday this sunday april 24th the geico 500 talladega super speedway 3 p.m eastern time on fox mrn sirius xm nascar radio and if you want to catch qualifying, that's going to happen early Saturday, 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. Um, you can catch that stuff, too. Again, uh, two rounds of qualifying, so they'll still do, you know, everyone needs to get into the, the top 10 and have one more go at it. But it is still only going to be single laps. All right, Steve, did you remember this week to put your picks in for the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League? Yes, I did. I finally, uh, yeah, I remembered and I actually checked it before the end of stage two and everything. And then I got screwed in stage three. (laughs) So here's my thing. You were talking about last week. One, I mean, you battled a couple of things. You're at the track and you forgot to put your picks in, but same thing for me. I mean, I mentioned it a couple of times, but you know, Wi-Fi was pretty much non-existent Um, at the track. There was like one thing that you can kind of get on every once in a while. I had full bars on my phone for cell reception, but no data, basically. I don't know. It was really odd, so I could barely do anything. I apologize to anybody that usually follows Team Blaney for tweets and stuff during races because uh, I was pretty much shut out of that. Uh, so I wasn't able to uh, to go in there after stage or right before stage two and possibly take Kyle Larson, who I put in my garage, because um, I didn't want to waste a Kyle Larson star- start on a, you know, a race like this where he could have gotten taken out like he did last year, but I knew he was going to run well. So fortunately left him in my garage where I could have probably swapped him in for somebody like Cole Custer or Eric Jones, who both ran well at points during this race, but ended up um, having some issues. 
<clears throat> so my starting lineup, I had Ty Dillon, Christopher Bell, Cole Custer, Eric Jones, Tyler Reddick, Kyle Larson in the garage. I, in the featured matchups, I picked Christopher Bell over Kyle Larson. A lot of that was just based on what I saw in the practice and the heat races. That ended up not working out for me. I picked William Byron over Alex Bowman. That didn't work out. I thought Byron maybe had some momentum. Um, again, didn't work out. Picked Logano last year's winner over Martin Trex Jr. That worked out for me. I did get that selection right. And this one would have worked out for me. I picked Chase Briscoe over Daniel Suarez, which Suarez had a really great run here. I know strategy kept him up front, but he stayed up front through several restarts and uh, probably would have had a pretty solid finish there. Uh, but he only got back to 12th um, and I picked Briscoe who was in second <laughs> going into the third turn. So I ended up losing some points there. Uh, what was your starting lineup looking for this race? I had, um, I had Bell, Riddick, Larson, and then the Dillon boys. Okay. I was like, Good yeah, picks. I've, yeah, I've seen them at Eldora running on dirt before. And I uh, thought, let's just take them both. And, uh, did pretty good point wise there. I had Logano in the garage, actually. Uh, I was just, you know what, I'm going to just give him a shot just in case, but I stuck with mostly dirt, dirt guys there and really good until the third stage and Austin Dillon has his issues. Um, so if I would have, if I'd have kept Logano or put Logano in or had a chance to put him in, which I didn't have a chance because it was in the third stage, yep. that would have been about a 30 point difference, 29 point difference, but you know what? Not bad. I had, uh, I did have bell over Larson. I kind of thought bell would have the better night. Uh, it was only a couple positions that yeah. really, for, um, I did have Bowman. I had Logano over Truex and then I had Suarez over Briska. So I had the other picks, right. You know, so I did halfway decent. Um, like I said, another 20 some points or almost 30 points. I'd, I'd have been right up there with everybody else. Uh, but, uh, like I said, the, uh, the three car had an issue there and, uh, didn't get the finish that I hoped he would. Yeah. Three car lost the motor there at one point. And that was actually a pretty scary moment in the race because he just dropped like a rock in the middle of the pack and people were fanning out and it did eventually cause a crash there. I think with Kurt Busch, um, which I thought maybe they could have thrown the caution a little bit quicker there, but I know they were, they were worried about the rain too at that point. So um, that was unfortunate to see, but yeah, both Dylan brothers uh, ran really well. And like you said, they are, they are good on dirt. So let's go over the uh, top 10 finishers when it comes to points earned from this past week at Bristol Motor Speedway and the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. We have a three-way tie for first place this week between Moving Chicane Motorsports, Frygal 12, and Bulldog 02777, all three of them in the first position with 242 points earned. In fourth, Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing with 241, so just one point off there. Again, between Clyde and Bulldog, and I think Frygal here, um, they got, I just don't know, they got some sort of algorithm here where they can be up front every single week. Um, in fifth, Andrews picks with 239, and tied for sixth is Team Penske and Glitterbugs. Glitterbugs back up there was another a uh, really good person in the league last year, 236 and eighth, the Dalai Lama four, another familiar name, 234 ninth Steelion with 233. And then a tie for the 10th position between Pocono lady and Vans 12 with 232 points. We got to scroll down a little bit to get to, uh, I finished 65th with 169 points. 
and you finished uh, your way up there ahead of me in the 25th position, 213 points. So honestly, you were talking about how you did have a really good week, kind of bolstered by your bonus picks there and those featured matchups. Um, yeah, if you had maybe have Logano up in there instead of Austin Dillon at the end of that, I think you would have been probably up there near the top 10 at least. So let's take a look at the overall league standings for the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League in the first position. Bulldog 0277, 1,790 points. In second, Math Mom 4, 1,735 points. In third, the defending champion Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing, 1,726 points. Fourth, Fry Gow 12 with 1715. Fifth, Moose Hunter 1960 with 1705. In sixth, Rogue Tough with 1701. In seventh, Blaney Kicks Beep with 1700 even eighth eric d 15 1694 ninth super mod 1692 and rounding out the top 10 blaniac 10 1677 points steve you've continued to drop a little bit more uh this week in the 22nd position 1623 points and i'm still holding steady in that mid 30s to 40 range here 38th position 1,522 overall points in the team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. So this week was kind of a little bit weird. The dirt race, something totally different. I didn't really use a lot of front runners, but I used some people that actually ended up with some pretty decent finishes. Then we go to the super speedway, which I usually get creative with my lineups here. Uh, This is when, again, I'll probably start like an Eric Jones or an Austin Dillon or some guys that I'm, I don't want to, you know, put Larson and even a Logano is really good. It's like, I don't want to, I'll probably put Ryan in the garage again, just in case. Uh, but even that, you know, putting somebody in the garage and moving them in at the, with the, you know, the last stage of the race and plenty of opportunity for caution still could bite you and you end up wasting a pick. So um, any sleepers, uh, maybe somebody that you wouldn't normally start that you're looking at starting this week. Yeah. The track, you know what track house, you know what track house actually either of those guys right now, um, the, the cars definitely are there and the drivers are definitely there. Um, be, it'd be a good week for those guys. Um, you know, if they do end up getting lined up by manufacturer, um, uh, the Toyotas, uh, the twenty three eleven guys, both of them, Kurt and Bubba uh, could be out front. Um, they work really well with, with the other Toyota team, the, the Gibbs team. Um, so you could see those guys up near the front. Um, and, uh, you know, those are, you know, those are a couple of sleepers, but, um, for the most part, you got, hopefully we see a bunch of Fords with the number 12 Ford leading them, <laughs> the Pied Piper love to see it. That kind of thing where he's just out front all day and staying out of people's messes. And, uh, like to see one where he just wins one going away, you know, where he doesn't have to worry about a late restart or, um, you know, 20 guys ganging up on him. And having a crash, you know, a crash fest at the start finish line. I'd like to just see a nice clean uh, W, you know, just stay up front, be up front, get the right push from the right guy at, at the end, and then just win this thing nice and easy. No wreck fest. Everybody stay safe. You know, don't want to see 10 car pileups and 15 car pileups. I mean, I know some people tune in to see that, but I really don't. I'd like rather see everybody run a good clean race and the cars who can pass uh, in the pack you know, make their moves and uh, hopefully Ryan's up in the front of all that. You're right. I mean, it's just, unfortunately just become so commonplace in all three of Ryan's super speedway wins, you know, the two Talladega wins and the Daytona win, which one of the Talladega wins, I mean, he did, he did get a little bit physical there. Uh, I think Eric Jones will tell you that happened and, and caused a little bit of a crash 
the Daytona win, he didn't have anything to do with it. And luckily he was way out in front of everybody and the people behind him crashed. So, but it's just been con- so common that pretty much at the end of every single super speedway race, somebody racing for fifth or sixth on back just causes a huge pile up coming to the line and just kind of mars the finish a little bit there. So um, I don't mind it. They can have a big, a big one, you know, in the middle of the race and get that excitement out of the way. And then let's just race it to the end in a true fashion, hopefully a little bit cleaner. And we get that every once in a while. And hopefully that's what we get this weekend at Talladega. So Steve, I think that pretty much wraps up this week's episode of the team Blaney podcast. A couple of things, or at least one thing I want to mention before we go um, the voting for the SRX race at Nashville super speedway is still ongoing. We were lucky enough to have Brittany Zamora, a rising pro late model driver here on the East coast on this program, her connection to Blaney fans would be through Ryan Blaney spotter, Josh Williams, who just happens to be uh, her better half. And uh, they came on here, talked a little bit about her racing career and um, this opportunity that she has to race in this SRX event, the superstar racing experience uh, race. That's going to be held, be held in July at Nashville fairground speedway. Sorry if I might've said Nash- Nashville, super speedway, but Nashville fairground speedway, um, you can vote for Brittany on the NASCAR or on the Nashville's Fairground Speedway website. Um, if you just go to the SRX voting page and she's one of the first ones up there, you just have to toggle her name on to vote for her, scroll down to the bottom, put a little bit of information in and submit. Everybody only gets one vote. They did do an update at some point last week where she was leading the standings, which is fantastic, but we still have a couple of weeks here. I think this goes all the way until May 6th and they're going to announce the winner on May 7th. So you have a little bit of time here to continue to vote for Brittany. We've kind of put everything we have behind her just because of that connection to spotter Josh Williams. And um, plus she's really deserving of this. She is a past winner at Nashville fairgrounds in a, in a late model and um, is really an up and coming, an up and coming driver. She's made starts in the Arkham Menard series. And um, she has a couple of super late model championships out West before she moved out here to the East. And she's been uh, awarded a sponsorship through Bush light this year too. So lots of positives behind her. And it'd be really great to see her and Blaney fans kind of support her in this endeavor. Um, But for now, I want to thank everyone once again for tuning in to this episode of the team Blaney podcast. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, just check out our debut episode that dives deep into our Blaney fandom. You can interact with us on Twitter and Facebook at Team Blaney and on Instagram at team.blaney. Have some photos from the past two weekends races at Bristol and Martinsville out there on the Instagram. Finally, we want to encourage you to help support the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. This organization championed by Ryan and his family supports causes like the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine. You can find out more about the foundation online at ryanblaneyfamilyfoundation.org and on all of their active social media channels. And Steve, what do they have coming up next month that is incredibly important? Yeah, so... If you're on their on their site, you can you can find the link, but also just put in driving for F-O-R-E, the word for F-O-R-E, good, dot planning pod, P-L-A-N-N-I-N-G-P-O-D, dot com. Driving for good planning pod dot com. And you can find out about how you can actually do some sort of sponsorships uh, for the event at the at the top golf in uh, at Charlotte. Uh, university. Uh, one of the things they announced last week on our podcast is the wall of fame. And this is a really cool way that you could actually help donate, you, you know, to the cause there'll be a wall of fame that they're going to set up there. 
a $20 donation to put your name on that wall of fame, a $50 donation. And this is the way we're probably going for sure. Um, you put your name up on the wall of fame. Plus when they are done with it, um, Ryan will take those cards that are the $50 donations. They'll sign them and then they'll send them to you. Um, so, you know, you can get this, um, right through their, their website. There's a link to it. Um, I don't know if they're still looking for individuals to play or not. They may still be. So there's the individual play on there too. look that up. Um, but it's, uh, May 24th, Tuesday, six o'clock at the top golf at uh, Charlotte university. Um, but like I said, the wall of fame is a great opportunity for, uh, for anybody who wants to, uh, <clears throat> to actually help donate, uh, to this, to this cause that they're doing for the, um, UMPC, uh, fund a fellow program. Sorry. I almost, almost didn't. Yeah. <laughs> didn't got there. Yeah. The UPMC fund a fellow program. And, um, we, we were really excited last week. So if you missed last week's episode of the podcast, go back and listen to it because we did have Emma Blaney Conley and Leah Blaney Reeves, uh, obviously, uh, both members of the Blaney family, uh, Dave's daughter and Dale's daughter on the podcast who are helping out with this event. Again, as Steve said, the driving for good charity golf event that the Ryan Blaney family foundation is hosting at the top golf, Charlotte university, uh, coming up really excited that they were able to announce that wall of fame that really, I think opens it up to, you know, fan, not a lot of fans are going to be able to travel to attend this event. Uh, if you are, that's awesome. They, like you said, they probably are still looking for some single players that can help fill out some of the rosters there for the event. Uh, they're taking people of all skill levels. And if you've never been to a top golf before, it's kind of like a, you know, a massive driving range where you can kind of play some games and things with uh, some things they have set up out there. They have a $10,000 hole in one contest that uh, Emma said Dave has been practicing for. So you might want to go out there and try and beat David Blaney for that $10,000 uh, hole in one prize. And uh, yeah, get your name up there on the hall of fame. Uh, like you said, you can get on the hall of fame for $20, a donation of $50 or more. Um, they'll send that card back to you signed by Ryan Blaney, uh, which I think is a great way to help support the Ryan Blaney family foundation, the UPMC sports medicine fund, a fellow program. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's looking good. So you can find out more about that. Like you said, on driving for good, uh, I think dot planning pod.com. And, um, we're going to share those links again throughout the rest of this week, leading up to the event on the team Blaney social media accounts. And you can find it on all the Ryan Blaney family foundation, social media channels, but for now, and for my co-host, Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll catch you next time right here on the team Blaney podcast. Good night, Dublin. Good night, Brussels. Uh, thanks everybody for coming. I hope you enjoyed it.